The scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. That's page 982 in the Pew Bible. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, for you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I am seeking the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases in your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to, your, to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Every follower of Jesus needs to think about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, it means that we think the way he thinks. It means that we have the attitudes that he would have if he were in our shoes. It means that we look at life the way he would look at life if he were living our lives. The mind of Christ. If you're already open to the book of Philippians, look at chapter two and verse five. Philippians 2 and verse 5, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's a commandment. Have the mind of Christ in you. We come to Jesus Christ because we need forgiveness. We need to be saved. We need cleansing from our sins. We come to him because we realize that God is glorious and magnificent and he has provided a way for us to be right with him. We receive the gift of salvation when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we repent of our sins, when we confess him, and then when we're baptized, we're immersed into Christ for the remission of our sins. Then what? You've become a Christian, you've obeyed the gospel, then what? It's time to grow up. It's time to start maturing. And one of the avenues to Christian maturity, to being a grown-up spiritually, is to pursue what the book of Philippians calls the mind of Christ. When you read the book of Philippians, that word mind is found a number of times. Look at chapter 1, verse 27. 
Paul brings it up a number of times. It has to do with an attitude. It has to do with the way we're thinking. In Philippians 1 verse 27, he says, I want you to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's about the way we think. It's about our attitude. Do you have the attitude that shows that you belong to Jesus Christ? Are you a grown-up spiritually? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, he says. So it's about getting along with my brothers and sisters in Christ, having the mind of Christ. Look at verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. It's about having a humble mind. That's what the mind of Christ is all about. I've obeyed the gospel. Now what? Now it's time to grow up. It's time to have and pursue the mind of Christ. Look at Philippians 2 and verse 20. When Paul wanted to send somebody who would care about the church in Philippi, he couldn't think of anybody better than Timothy. He says, I'm sending Timothy to you because I have no one like-minded. I don't have anybody that thinks about people the way Timothy does. He will sincerely care for your state, Paul says, having the mind of Christ. It's about thinking of others and concerning ourselves with, with what would bless them and what would help them. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3 and look at verse 16. This idea of the attitude of a Christian, this idea of being a grown-up spiritually, it's all through the book of Philippians in a lot of different avenues, a lot of different facets. In Philippians 3 verse 16, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk as Christians by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And then in verse 19 of Philippians 3, Paul talks about those whose mind is on earthly things. They are enemies of the cross. They put their mind, their heart, their focus, their emphasis, their attitude in the wrong place. In Philippians 4, notice verse 7. There's a promise. The peace of God, when we pray about everything, the peace of God will rule, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The things that are lovely and noble and virtuous and praiseworthy, those things, if we think on them, they will help us to have the mind of Christ, Philippians 4, verse 8. When somebody becomes a Christian, it changes the way we think, and it's supposed to continually change the way we think. I'd like to posit this to you. There was a family that was going on vacation, and it was something that they had looked forward to for a long, long time, and dad, as dads do, had made all the plans and all the arrangements. And when it came time to leave the house, mom and the kids were not as quick getting out of the house as dad had intended. And he was looking at his watch and there were sweat beads forming on his forehead. But finally, everybody got their suitcases in the car and they backed out of the driveway and they drove to the airport and dad was stressing the entire time. Then they got to the parking place at the airport and lo and behold, the parking lot was full. Oh, dad's stress level just went up to here. We're going to have to find somewhere else to park. And I had a cheap rate at this particular place. And so they found eventually a place to park and they got to the gate where the airline was was ready to, to take them to their destination. Oh, but the plane was delayed. And not just a little bit delayed, it was delayed for hours. And dad's stress level just went ballistic. And we're going to miss our connection and we're not going to be 
making our time as we've planned it. When we're under stress, when we are in situations where things are not working the way we think they ought to work and we, we, we don't have control over some of the things that are going on around us, we tend to not display the mind of Christ. As a matter of fact, I'd say that's the hardest time to display the mind of Christ. When we are uncomfortable, when we are under stress, when there are problems and circumstances all about, it is tough for us to display grown-up attitudes. By the way, side note, this will add nothing to the cost of the sermon. When you and your family decide to go on vacation, make sure, moms and dads, make sure that your vacation is a delight and not a disaster. And it all depends on your attitude. It all depends on the way that you approach this particular event. All right, that doesn't add anything to the cost of all this. Grown-up attitudes, all of us face stress. If I were to ask you for a show of hands, who's under stress this week? Who's got some things that, you're, that are weighing on your heart and your mind? I suspect most of us would raise our hands. How do you have the mind of Christ in times of distress? May I suggest to you this morning that the Apostle Paul was under some stress when he wrote Philippians. You know why? Paul was chained to a Roman guard 24-7. He was under house arrest in Rome, and he was waiting to find out if he was going to be executed or freed. He was going to have his day in the court of Caesar himself, Philippians 1, verses 21 through 23. And he wasn't sure how this was going to work out. You think he was under some stress? Think he was worried about what was going to happen to him? And Paul displays for us in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 20, some grown-up attitudes in times of stress and difficulty. Seven of them, as a matter of fact. Seven grown-up attitudes, if I would have the mind of Christ, if I wanna be like my Savior, especially when I'm under stress. How do I do that? What practically can a Christian pursue? What things should I think about if I wanna handle these kinds of situations in a Christ-like way? Attitude number one, look at Philippians 4 verse 10. And by the way, Philippians 4 verses 10 through 20 is something of an inspired thank you note. Paul is thanking his Philippian brethren who are far away because they shared with him. They sent him some relief, some support. And he's thanking them for that. Verse 10, the attitude of a grown-up is one that affirms others. That's what Paul did in Philippians 4 verse 10. He affirmed other people. Look at what he says. He's in prison. He could be saying, woe is me. What's going to happen? But look at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord, he says, greatly. So it's not just, okay, I was joyful. There was great joy. And sometimes when we're singing songs about joy in the Lord, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Sometimes I listen to myself and I think, am I really rejoicing in the Lord as I sing this song? Are you? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, Paul says, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. What is Paul doing? He is affirming his brethren. You had the best of motives all through my ministry, Paul says. And I rejoice in that. Listen, 
it's one thing to appreciate people. Appreciation is giving thanks for something that a person has done. You did a great job on X. I appreciate that you took care of task Y. That's appreciation. Affirmation has to do with somebody's character and somebody's heart. And we can appreciate people without ever really affirming them. Affirming them sounds like this. I know that you are living in a way that shows that you really want to serve Jesus. I can see that you really care for me by the way that you have treated me. Affirmation. I can see that you're concerned about others and that you love the Lord and that's really what you're all about. I can see that in the way that you're living your life. When you want to encourage other people, listen carefully to what I'm about to say, it is a grown-up thing to encourage other people by affirming them. And I want you to ask yourself seriously, when was the last time you went out of your way to affirm somebody else? Encouragement is a funny thing. Everybody loves to receive it. Very few people are willing to give it. It's in short supply, and why should it be among the people of God if we have the mind of Christ? Paul says, I know that the reason you were, you were not sending support, it wasn't because you didn't care about me. I believe the best about you. He says, you just lacked opportunity. And now I rejoice greatly that what you sent to me, your, your care for me has flourished again. It's a grown-up thing. It's a Christ-like thing to affirm other people. He was thinking about others while he was in prison, wasn't he? He was thinking about their hearts. Do you? Do I? Verse 11, number two this morning, grown-up attitudes, contentment. If I'm going to be like Jesus, if I'm going to have his mind in me, if I'm going to show him to others, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, if that's what I'm all about, there's going to have to be contentment in my life. Look at Philippians 4 verse 11. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is a thank you note. And Paul is not saying, you know, I'm so thankful you sent all these funds because I was just in dire straits. Paul is very delicate in the way he handles and deals with and talks about money. And I appreciate that. He's very delicate and he's saying, I'm not doing this because I want to get rich. I'm not a minister and, a, and, a, and an apostle and a preacher of the gospel because I want more and more funds coming my way. I don't speak in regard to need, he says, because I've learned how to be content. Contentment, that's rare. And notice, it's, a, it's not a gift, it's something that you learn. If you look at verse 11, I have learned. And if you look at verse 12, I have learned. Question, what school do you go to to learn that? What class do you enroll in to learn contentment? I've got a secret for you. There's never going to be enough money. Never enough. No matter how much you have, always want more. I've got a secret for you. There's never enough time. No matter how much time you think you have, it's not enough. There's never enough energy. No matter how much energy you think you have, there's never enough. 
Contentment is a grown-up attitude. It's a spiritually-minded attitude because that's what the mind of Christ produces in us. It's saying that even if God did not bless me with anything else, I am content with what he's given me because he's given me his son, he's given me salvation, and he has promised to provide for me. That's enough for me. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, the Bible says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. There are a lot of people that work and work and work, and they're striving for more and more and more, and they're thinking, when I just get to the next level, when I just get my next raise, when I just get my next paycheck, then I'll be happy, then I'll be content. And the Bible says, no, you won't. Our contentment, our sufficiency must be in Christ. The Apostle Paul says that's something that you can't be given. You've got to learn it. What school do you go to to learn how to be content? Read Philippians. He just got through telling you in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, that you ought to pray about everything. He just got through telling you in Philippians 4, verse 8, that contentment is a function of the way you think. What are you feeding into your mind constantly? He just got through telling you, Philippians 4, verse 4, that contentment is about rejoicing in the Lord always in every circumstance. It's about contentment. It's a grown-up attitude. Number three, as you look at Philippians 4 and verse 12, flexibility. Flexibility. Look at what Paul says as he continues to talk about his contentment. He says, I know how to be, my translation says, abased. In other words, I know how to do without. He goes on to say, I know how to abound, flexibility. I know how to have a lot, abundance. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. You know, verse 12 ought to cause us to stop and think a little bit. When I become a Christian, that doesn't mean that I'm never in need. When I become a Christian, that doesn't even necessarily mean that I'm never going to go hungry. Paul says, I know how to do both. I know how to have a lot. I know how to have a little. I've learned these things. I am flexible. It's been said that some people are like thermometers. They're constantly registering what's going on around them. And when the heat's turned up, the thermometer is yelling and screaming, the heat, it's too hot, it's just terrible. Other people are like thermostats though. When the heat comes up, they calmly, because of their relationship with the Lord, they flick on the air conditioner and they help to bring the environment around them back to normalcy. You and I need to think about being flexible in the gospel. Flexible. It has to do with realizing that circumstances are not always going to be ideal in our lives. And yet realizing that because of the great God that we serve, because he provides for us and he cares for us, because he loves us, he will provide and supply all of our needs. Look at Philippians 4.19. Isn't that the promise that's made? My God will supply your every need. And so Paul says, I trust God. I'm content. I know how to be flexible. Adult grown-up attitudes in the gospel. Number four, 
as you look at these verses in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 20, it's just amazing how many attitudes we can think about in our own lives. Can I really say that these characterize me? Verse 13, confidence. Confidence. What does he say in Philippians 4, 13, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament? I can do all things through what? Through Christ who strengthens me. There are a lot of people who say, I can do all things when I have enough money. I can do all things when I have enough success and get recognition. I can do all things when I have enough friends around me who think like I do. I can do all things when I have the house I want, the car I want, the job I want. I can do all things. The only thing that fits there though is Christ because he's the only one who is ultimately reliable. He's the only one who is ultimately sufficient. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You and I need to be able to say that. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. I can live in him and I can have a relationship with him and that's enough for me. And no matter what life brings my way and no matter what circumstances I face, whether I'm chained to a Roman guard in a prison or whether I'm preaching the gospel to God's people and working to save lost souls, no matter what I'm doing, I can be and I can do all things because of him. Pause right there, put your finger in Philippians 4 and turn with me to Hebrews 13. Look at verses five and six. Great commentary on Philippians four, Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six. Let your conduct, the Hebrews writer says, Hebrews 13, five, let your conduct, your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Isn't that what Paul is saying? Be content with such things as you have. What's the basis, Hebrews writer? Why are you saying this to me? Because he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Watch this. My contentment and my lack of covetousness is based on a promise from the mouth of my Lord. What did my Lord say? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Based on that promise, I can be content with such things as I have. And then look at what he goes on to say, quoting from the Old Testament. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That is just the same as saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We get so worked up and so stressed and so worried about the circumstances around us in our lives when what we really ought to do is go back to the promises of the New Testament and what our Lord has given us and say, I can be content and I can be confident. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Go back to Philippians chapter four, look at verses 14 and 15. Number five, attitudes that show maturity, attitudes that demonstrate the mind of Christ. In Philippians four verses 14 and 15, personal compassion, personal compassion. The word compassion means to feel with someone. So I see somebody that's struggling or I see somebody that's joyful and I feel that same joy or I feel the weight of that same struggle. I rejoice with those who rejoice and I weep with those who weep. That kind of thing, that's compassion. 
I'm reminded of what Jesus did in Mark chapter 6 and verse 34 when he was healing and teaching and he and his disciples, they were so busy, stressed. They didn't even have time to eat, the Bible says. And so the Bible says that Jesus told the apostles, let's come apart and let's rest for a little while. But Jesus looked at the crowds and in Mark 6, 34, the Bible says he had compassion on them. He looked at them and he saw them as a, a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus resolved to feed them. He cared for them. He felt what they felt. Well, the Philippians had done that with Paul. Look at verses 14 and 15 of Philippians chapter 4. Nevertheless, Paul says, you, church at Philippi, have done well in that you shared in my distress. Compassion. When Paul hurt, they hurt. When Paul was in need, they wanted to supply his need. When Paul was alone and without friends, they wanted to be his friends and come to see him. They showed compassion on him. Verse 15, now you Philippians know that also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He's saying, I went through on the Macedonian call places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, and you were the only congregation that from the very beginning wanted to help me and wanted to support me, and I'm so thankful for that. You have compassion in my relationship with you. That's a grown-up thing to do. When we face stressful situations, the ability to look at others and to think about what they are going through, it shows the mind of Christ. When Jesus was suffering on the cross, Matthew, or John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, he looked down from the cross and he saw his own mother. And he said to John, his disciple, behold your mother. And he said to his mother, behold your son. And the Bible says that from that moment, John took Mary into his own house. Compassion, concern for others. We get so wrapped up in what's going on with my life that we don't open our eyes and look around. It's about the mind of Christ. Look at Philippians 4, verses 16 and 17, number six. Sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving, generosity if you want. The Bible says in verses 16 and 17 of Philippians 4, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, Paul says, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Giving is a Christian virtue. Generosity. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. When we give in a sacrificial way for the sake of God and for the sake of his people and for the sake of blessing others' lives, it is pleasing to God. And part of our opening our eyes and opening our hearts and opening our hands when it comes to having the mind of Christ means that we're looking for opportunities to help and to serve and to bless other people. Incidentally, when I read the book of Philippians, I learn some things about missions and mission work. One of the things we learn about missions and mission work when we look at the book of Philippians is this. Immediately after a congregation is begun, it is autonomous, it is to be self-sufficient, it is to be in a sense mature. That is, these people 
as soon as they became Christians in Philippi, they made up their minds, we're gonna help Paul, even when other churches weren't doing it, verse 15. These people, they were not just one-time givers either. It was repeated giving, it says in verse 16. These people in Philippi, a new congregation, babes in Christ, they made up their minds that because giving was the very heart of Jesus Christ, that's what they wanted to do as well. When we think about missions and mission works, that's something we really ought to pay attention to as the people of God. Is this something that we are encouraging? Is this something that we are supporting? Are people being taught about the mind of Christ and what that means? Now look at this, verses 18 through 20, number seven. Grown-up attitudes, a desire to please God, a desire to please God. When I'm faced with stress and anxiety, pleasing God is often far from my mind. How about you? But here's what Paul says. In verse 18, indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, he says, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. It's a thank you note. Epaphroditus brought me the things that you sent. And Paul goes on to say, the things that you sent, watch this in verse 18, they are, number one, a sweet-smelling aroma. Number two, an acceptable sacrifice. Number three, well-pleasing to God. Paul says to this congregation, God is pleased with your care for me. You knew I was in need. You knew I was spreading the gospel. You knew I was doing the kind of work that that helps people to know Jesus Christ and fulfilling that mission. And you wanted to help in that. And your help and your support was pleasing to God. When we think about our lives and we think about having the mind of Christ, we ought to think about what pleases God. How can I support and encourage those who are devoted to his cause? How can I help them in their work that they're doing? There are people all around us who need help. How can I find ways to be pleasing to God in this avenue? And look at the promise of verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God will continually supply the needs of those who open their eyes and open their hearts and open their hands to bless the lives of others. It's about being a spiritual grown-up. It's about manifesting the life of Christ and the mind of Christ in us. When we're under stress and when we're under anxiety and we're going through difficulties, let's remember Jesus Christ and let's ask ourselves, Do the attitudes that I see mentioned in Philippians 4, do they really characterize me? Am I displaying these things in the way that I treat others? In the way that I think about others? Do I really have a sincere desire to please and obey my God in all things? Get your songbooks and open to the song that was announced a few moments ago. Heaven's invitation is yours. Maybe you're not a Christian. You believe genuinely deep down that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this world and he died for your sins. Repent of those sins. Turn away from them. Confess that he is the Son of God to his glory and to the glory of God. And then be baptized. 
The Bible says when we're baptized into Christ that we put on Christ, Galatians 3.27. If someone has not been baptized, therefore, they have not yet put on Christ. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you want to respond to the, God, to, to, to the invitation and to ask for prayers. Heaven's invitation is yours at this time. While together we stand and while we sing this song of encouragement.